I want to uh, do a couple of things this morning. First of all, uh, I want to have you open up to Galatians chapter 5 and read along with me. I want to encourage your hearts with the word of the Lord as we get ready to worship the Lord in our giving. Galatians chapter 5. And um, I'm sorry, I'm actually in Galatians chapter 6 this morning. Galatians chapter 6. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, everybody say gently and humbly, help that person back onto the right path. Boy, Shane's testimony was a perfect example of that. Gently and humbly, the goal being to get them on the right path, not to judge people. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourselves. That's a good admonition. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. I love this. You're not that important. Well, that's a good, that, that's something to put on your refrigerator right there, right? Just, yeah, good point. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anybody else. There's another refrigerator verse. For we're each responsible for our own conduct. How many of you know we can't blame other people for our sin? Those who taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, or those who were taught, rather, the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Look at verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And just at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. How many of you know we're all tempted to give up before the blessing arrives? And I want to encourage us. Keep sowing your life away. Keep loving people. Keep forgiving people. Keep giving to people. Keep giving to the Lord. You know, I was joking around with that at the missions conference when I was speaking. I said, you know, some of you God spoke to you about what to give, and as soon as you write that check, you're going to go home, and your refrigerator blows up, right? Um, how many of you have ever had that happen? And you know what we should be doing is what Pastor Andrew exhorted us. Our hands should pop in the air and go, hallelujah, I'm getting a new refrigerator. Now, Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay for that new refrigerator, but I sure am excited about seeing it. Just to be real with you, I came home from Hawaii to a garage door that blew up into four pieces. Uh, Carrie Drake came over to my house and informed me that there was no putting the door back together, but that we could nail it up just so that my garage was not wide open, looking like I was having the eternal garage sale all through the winter. So here's what I did, Lord, hallelujah. We just had a great missions conference. Now I have a garage door that only looks like it's functional. It's nailed to the two-by-fours. And, Lord, I'm thanking you that that is going to get fixed because it's your garage door, it's your house, and you're going to fix it. Or I could get all bent out of shape about it, so don't try to sneak in my garage door. (laughs) You can't get in. You're going to have to break in the back, all right? That one is not yet nailed. But anyway, but the point is this. Just live a generous life and keep loving people. And don't quit before your harvest. If you sow generously, you reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow to your flesh, the Bible says here you reap decay and destruction. So don't let the devil lie to you. This is an opportunity every week to say, God, we love you, we trust you, we believe in you, we worship you. Amen? So let's do that right now. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to give. God, we're only weeks away from Thanksgiving, and if we pause right now to think about all your blessings, Lord, our hearts would be so full. Our cupboards would be full. Our tables are full. Our our lives are full, and we just give you praise for that. So, Lord, as we sow, we ask you to bless it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. While you're doing that, let me uh, go to some quick announcements, and if, Jim, you could help me out. Um, First announcement, Cafe Ethne. Notice the hours of operation. I just want to highlight something. If you show up to the cafe at 851, And they tell you, sorry, but we're closing now so that you can get into worship. Don't you dare let your flesh manifest that that coffee demon. I must have my coffee. No, you little carnal person, you. Stop it. We're not here to worship coffee beans. We're here to worship Jesus, all right? 
So you be nice to those people because it's a test from the Holy Spirit Broadcasting Network to see whether or not you're truly saved or whether you're just full of coffee bean spirit and not the Holy Spirit. We do that to drive you all in here to remind us that we're not here for bread alone or for coffee or bagels or whatever else. We're here to worship Jesus. So please know that when they put that cord up there, it's just a reminder that you should have been here earlier. Hey, got you on that one. All right, next one. Let me tell you a story. Pastor Susie was recently in Tinley Park at the Home Goods store, right? And Pastor Susie's a bright and shining light when she's out there and talking and happy and carrying all these wonderful things she purchased for our decoration. And in the process of doing that, she got into a little conversation with the lady that was serving her. And uh, here's the cool story. That lady said, well, what are you buying all this stuff for? Well, we're getting ready to decorate our church. Oh, she said, I love to do Christmas decorations. Could I come help? All right, it gets better. So this, so she's in Tenley Park. She wants to come to Crown Point to help decorate for Christmas. And she said, you know, my, my kids and I were looking for a home church. And Pastor Susie said, well, Tenley Park, this is kind of far, isn't it? And she said, well, we actually live in Flossmore. And she already knew we can jump on the interstate and we can be there. And so check this out. This precious lady might be here on Monday, December the 2nd, to decorate with you all, and I'm wanting you to make sure that you're really nice to her, and you love her, and you (laughs) encourage her, and you get to know her, all right? It's going to be an amazing time. We always have some great food and fellowship during the day, but we're going to transform that foyer into an amazing winter wonderland, all right? Next slide, very quickly here. We've got Christmas presents for you guys, all right? Check it out. We have a long-sleeve t-shirt Uh, charcoal gray with a Livingstones logo on the chest. We also have a hoodie, all right, um, for sale. Both of those we just simply rounded up a tad bit to cover uh, shipping and all that. Um, If you want it by Christmas, you've got to order uh, today or next Sunday. If it doesn't matter, we can take orders and we can get them to you anytime. Um, But if you want something like that by Christmas, make sure that you go out to the Connection Center right after the service, all right, and make sure you get one, all right? Is that the last one, Jim? Ah, yes, aha, a new slide, yeah, yeah, congratulations to Joel and Carly with little Capri right there, and uh, grandbaby number five for, uh, for us, we're excited, but here's what I love about the gift of new life, is my son was a blubbering mess, it was so great, there was something about being through the whole process of delivery, and and then holding that baby in your arms. He, he could not, I mean, you talk about joy unspeakable, gushing out of him. And uh, it's just a reminder of uh, the miracle that is, that is life and that is childbirth. It is an absolute miracle. And so, uh, anyway, we're, we're rejoicing. Get, send them some love uh, if you think about it. And uh, hopefully next Sunday she'll make her grand arrival, all right? All right, get your Bibles open if you would. I am so excited about this series, excited about what the Lord's doing. Uh, hope that you're getting something out of this. You know, first of all, whenever I'm preaching a message, I always get it preached to me first, so I'm always trying to communicate things that are making my heart come alive. You know, we're on this series called United with Christ, and last Sunday we were talking about the, uh, nat- or the process of this union, and I want to just highlight just one verse of over 100 verses in the New Testament in Paul's writings. This is Colossians 1.27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. If you're a Gentile, say hallelujah this morning. That's for us. Here's the secret that he's been unfolding, all right? Christ lives in you. Anybody grateful for that? This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Now, I just got to share something with you. I was listening to a podcast this week, and um, it was, uh, the, 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 the pastor was interviewing a, a theologian, and he was saying, you know, did you ever have a crisis of faith? So many people are having a crisis of faith, turning their back on God, you know, on and on and on. And this guy went to share how he had an uh, experience with Christ when he was little, and that by the grace of God, he, that had not been part of his process. But I started thinking about this, and this is what's perplexing to me, and this is, this is part of the reason why we're doing this series. How many of you know you, you don't have a relationship, you don't turn your back on faith, like you don't turn your back on Christianity, you don't turn your back on a world religion, fundamentally you turn your back on a person. 
And this is what's amazing to me. Like, I just use Shane as an example, okay? As Shane has come to the Lord with his brokenness, he didn't, didn't encounter Bible verses, although that was part of his encouragement. He encountered a living person who is in union with him, and God began to demonstrate his affection for Shane by setting him free and by giving him favor in situations where he didn't deserve favor. So here's what I'm talking about. So each of those things is like a kiss from heaven. Each of those things is a private, individual encounter with Jesus. And here's my question to you. How do you turn your back on that? How do you, one day you love Jesus, he's transformed your life, and then in another day you're like, ah, I think I'm going to be a Buddhist now, or something like that. I mean, no, we don't follow a world religion. I hope none of you are here following a religion, because that will kill you. We don't follow a religion. We follow a person, and his name's Jesus. He's alive. And we follow somebody who's transformed us. And I just want to tell you this. If, you, if your experience with Christianity has been like a, a tour guide through the Holy Land or something like that, or, or, or you're on a tour, you know, oh, isn't that lovely? Look at that. Uh, oh, that's where Jesus died. Oh, isn't that lovely? No, th- that's not the point. You're missing everything. You were saved for relationship. You're saved to encounter a God who loves you. And when you encounter that God, are you kidding me? How do you turn your back or quit or have a crisis of faith when you've been, when you've been kissed to life? Is this making sense? So, so my point is this. Not that we don't ever struggle in life or not that we don't ever wonder, Lord, where are you? Because we've all gone through the dark seasons of life when, when uh, we have to trust the Lord in the dark. You all with me on that? But I'll just tell you this. Never, ever doubt whether Jesus loves me Because guess what? He talks to me. Does he talk to you? He speaks to me. When I worship him, I feel like I'm going to explode on the inside because the sap of heaven is running through my veins, and I'm not singing because I have to. I'm singing because it's so natural. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In other words, worship is not something I, I do because it's part of the program. Worship is something that comes off of my spirit because I've been kissed to life. So don't sell out for a cheap substitute called religion when you can have the real thing called Jesus and walk with him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The Holy Spirit is living on the inside. In other words, uh, when we want assurance, what's the assurance? The assurance is the living one lives inside of me. How can I deny that? How can I deny that? So when you see the hand of God on your life, pause to worship that you serve the living God and he loves you and he hears you and he answers prayer and he cares for you. That's the message of united with Christ. Last Sunday we highlighted the fact that the entire Godhead is pursuing you for one goal, relationship. God the Father knew you before you were born chose you before you were born, adopted you before you were born, and brought you into his family all because he wanted to. And the Bible says he liked it. He did it with a smile on his face. We said Jesus pursued us all the way to the cross. Thank God for a two-marshmallow Savior. Come on. Who, who said he, even the shedding of his own blood was not too much to ask for the passion he had in his heart for you and me. He chased us all the way down to pursue us, to give his life for us. And then he said, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. He ascends to the Father's right hand. What does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit. Not Casper the ghost, not the Holy Spirit, it. No, no, no. The person of the Holy Spirit who speaks to us, who reveals Jesus to us, who reveals the love of the Father to us in our hearts, who guides us, directs us, who brings literally the presence of God Almighty and Jesus Christ the Son to live with inside of us. Isn't this amazing? And why did he do all this? So that you could just come to church and punch a time clock and go to, some, you know, go to heaven someday and avoid hell? Is that God's ultimate objective? No! He's all about relationship. It starts now. It gets better and better and better forever. 
It's about relationship, though. First of all, if we could just pause and, and, and let, the, let it sink in, what in the world does it feel like to be pursued by the creator of the universe, the one who fills everything with his glory, wants to live in me <laughs> in this temple right here? This is stunning. These are the things you meditate on and ask the Lord to show you what being united with him means. But I shared a critical principle last week. There is no uniting until we meet at the place where the union takes place. And I share with you that place where Jesus tracked Shane down, where he tracked us down. Where did he go to find us? He went to find us at the place of our greatest need, and that was at the cross. It was the place where the judgment and wrath of God were, were righteously being displayed toward us. The old Shane deserved what he got. And he would not come into that courtroom and say, oh, you got it all wrong. No, no, no. The judge got it all right. His life was a mess. The new Shane does not come in on the basis of his own righteousness, but on the basis of Jesus' righteousness. The new Shane doesn't come in demanding his rights. The new Shane comes in begging for mercy and showing that a change has taken place. See, when we meet Jesus at the cross, that's where the great exchange takes place. That's where all of our sin drops off and all of Christ's righteousness comes on. We're clothed in a new creation. But I told you before, you'll never experience the life that Jesus has if you're sitting at a distance observing the cross and going, thanks, Jesus, that was really great. Because you cannot experience him unless you come and embrace the cross and meet him there and you die your death and you take up your cross and you follow him. God's not looking to bring your old nasty self-life along for the journey. God's trying to kill the old you so that the new you can resurrect because only the new you can have fellowship with the Holy One, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So if you're not willing to kiss the cross, embrace the cross, hug the cross, cling to the cross, then there's no salvation and life for you. Even if you intellectually believe that something magnificent took place on the cross, you don't get saved in your intellect. You get saved from the embrace. The devil knows what took place on the cross. He has no appreciation or value for what took place on the cross, but he knows. But only those who come humbly and embrace the cross get the benefits of the union with Jesus. He said, I'm giving my life for you. Now, this is what Paul said. I live, but it's not I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you don't do that, you can't be saved. You can, you can be in the fan club, appreciation club, but you're not in the family. This is why people cannot come to church, go to church, claim to know Christ, and still be nasty, self-centered, carnal, and full of sin for any long period of time and call themselves saved. If anybody needs to slip out now, you, now would be a good time. How many? Just t- turn to someone and say, "That's the truth." It's the truth, because the cr- the cross will change you. And when you embrace the cross for yourself, you get transformed. Now, some of you are wondering, why do we have this tacky spring decoration up here? We're not going to see daffodils for a long time. Am I right? You're not going to see these puppies till April. All right. These guys are long gone. But you know why you're seeing these? Because they're artificial. Now, this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to, pastor's going to set me up. No. Boy Scouts on. I'm not going to set anybody up. I am looking for some feedback from especially some of our ladies. Why would anybody buy artificial daffodils? Good question. Obviously, there's a market for them. They're pretty, aren't they? You thought, that, you thought that they were real for a little bit. Sounds like some Christians to me, but anyway. Um, why would, okay. Yeah, that, now that's good. That's good. You guys are helping me preach. You can't kill them. It's the same thing with artificial Christians. They'll never come to the cross. You can't kill them. Their old self-life just keeps going. Now, I've noticed something about these. They're really low maintenance. You know what we do at, you know what we do at the end of the year? Put them in the closet. You know what we do in April for Easter? Pull them out of the closet. They look beautiful, except we do have, they do require some maintenance. They get dust on them. 
You know, my real daffodils don't get dust. It's amazing. I, I never have to go out and dust on my bulbs in the front yard. <laughs> but the fake ones need to be dusted off. <laughs> so they look good. All right? Now, it's interesting. You don't buy the real ones because a couple of things. Number one, they're more expensive if they have live flowers every week. There's a cost involved. The other thing is these don't require any maintenance. And you know what? Christianity without cost and sacrifice and maintenance would be really great. But it's fake. Let me tell you something else. When you plant these in the ground, say I plant five bulbs, the next year how many bulbs are there? The answer is more than five but always more than five. Because you know what happens with real, real f- stuff? It multiplies. Oh, this is so good. I just got this revelation during worship. I said, honey, go find me some of those fake whatevers we had in the building because God's going to do something here, all right? Because this is truth. Fake Christians, they go for the low-maintenance route. Fake Christians go for the low-cost route. Fake Christians always look good, but let me tell you something else about these things. There's no fragrance. It's like smelling clothing that's been in a closet for a year. All right? They don't smell good, and, they, and here's what's most important. There's no reproduction, and I want you to see this too. The thing I love about my bulbs when they come up, and I, we, Marion and I, you know, we got tore everything out of our front yard this year, which was some of you be going, oh, no, I'm like, yes, I now have a new palette to paint on. So you know what we did? We went out to Costco, and we bought like 100 bulbs, and we planted them all, and those bulbs are going to, because it's their nature, at the right time, in the right season. Can I tell you something else about this? Fake Christians always want it to be springtime. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But you know what? There's some important stuff going on with real bulbs right now. They're hidden. And they're resting. Because it's not the right season for them to bloom. But you know what? Real Christians realize that all of life isn't springtime. That sometimes you go through the fall when you don't feel all that fruitful and you lose a few leaves. And sometimes you go through wintertime and it's cold and you wonder, man, it's, it's really chilly outside. But real Christians understand the seasons of God. And see, when you're a real Christian, you get to watch people bloom. Shane, thanks for coming up here and just showing off your blooms this morning. It was lovely. You looked lovely. Because I want to give you three things today, real quickly, about the the nature of this union. I talked about the process last week, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But let me talk about the nature of the union. And we're going to look in John 15 for the next few weeks. So look with me, John 15, verse 5. Yes, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. There's Jesus launching some metaphors again. Why is he talking in terms of vines and branches? Because remember, union with Christ is a mystery. Jesus is teaching this passage right between the upper room and the cross, and they're walking to the garden, and they're passing uh, uh, vineyards along the way. So Jesus was a master at teaching uh, in parables and teaching with object lessons. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I said the definition of union with Christ is that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. We, t- we preached on that the last couple of weeks. Christ is our justification. I, I am in Christ, but Christ in me it means he's my sanctification. He's, he's movingly along the process of healing and Christ-likeness. Our union with Christ is a living union. That means it's organic. It means it's relational. It means it's alive. It means it's growing. It means it's supernatural. It means it's God-created. And here's the question I want to ask you. Does that describe, do those words describe your relationship with Jesus? Is it real? Is it living? Is it, is it relational? Is it something where you recognize God did this? Look, look with me in John chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to go through this quick because so I've got some ground to cover today. Um, our union with God or with Christ is an act of God. Look at what it says in John 1, 12 in the Amplified. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, 
He gave the right, that is the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe, that is, those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name, who were born, check this out. So this tells how we were born in Christ, how this union took place with Jesus. Not of blood, it wasn't natural conception. It wasn't based on the will of man or the will of the flesh, meaning by physical impulse, nor the will of man, in other words, that of a natural father, but our union with Christ is of God. It is divine. It is a supernatural birth uh, that we are born of God. That is, we are spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. In fact, Galatians 4, 6 says this, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. How many of you know if you're here today and you've been united with Christ, you are a product of the supernatural act of God? There's nothing natural about it. It is supernatural and mysterious. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One minute you're a drug addict. You're, you're, you're in bondage to drugs. The next minute you can stand up and say, I've been free for a year. Praise God. One minute you're going to alcohol to deal with all of your, your wounds because alcohol is your idol. Alcohol brings you comfort. And the next minute you're like, no, I have a hunger for Jesus. I want him to be my Lord, my healer, my Savior. And all of a sudden you go from alcohol to Jesus. This is the stuff that happens when people are born again. You have a new set of passions and desires. One minute you used to come into church and you'd stand while everybody was singing and you just look like a deer in the headlights. And a year later, you're a raving radical. Oh, you're loving Jesus. You, maybe you're even kneeling. And anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you came here and you said, oh my gosh, what kind of church is this? And now you are one. <laughs> you drank the Kool-Aid. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not really a hugger. Now you're a greeter. Hey, welcome. What happened to you? Jesus happened to you. Soften your heart. Brought you into new life. Supernatural. Isn't it awesome? So this union is a living union. Secondly, it's a total union. I want you, this is amazing. How many of you have figured out that without the vine, the branch has no life? The branch, I'll say something else, the branch has no purpose. The branch has no meaning. The branch has no source. The branch only exists because of the vine. Now, can we just connect some dots here? You'll never enjoy the fullness of your union with Christ until you realize you have no existence apart from Jesus. How many of you would acknowledge this morning that God created you? How many of you would acknowledge with your other hand that Jesus, get it up. How many of you acknowledge you're created by God? How many of you acknowledge Jesus redeemed you? So how many of you could say, with both hands raised, I belong to Jesus? I owe my existence to him. I'm nothing apart from him. How many of you believe that? Wave at me if you believe that, all right? This is good news. This is good news. I do not even begin to understand my purpose and destiny apart from the vine because I have no existence. A branch whacked off from the vine, thrown to the roadside, does not do anything profitable. The Bible says you gather them up, you throw them in the fire, and they burn like this. They're gone like this. You can't even use them for a nice, warm, cozy fire. They're just just kindling is all they are. And I just want to challenge us today. If we're going to experience the fullness of our inheritance being united with Jesus, you'll never experience that until you recognize that the only reason you exist is because of the vine. And there's a moment where you go, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you surrender your life to him. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? No vine, no branches, period. The branch is created to serve the vine, and check this out, to proclaim the greatness of, of the vine by bearing much fruit. If any of you have been in my backyard and you are all welcome to be in my backyard, just come over anytime. There's nothing to see right now, but I'm telling you, this spring and summer, mostly midsummer, I planted a vine that was this big when I planted it. It is a trumpet vine. How many of you know when it's this big, the trumpets trumpets weren't very loud? But my vine now is this big. 
growing up like a tree trunk on the side of my trellis. And I kid you not, we will sit there in the summertime and look at the explosion of reddish orange intense glory bringing blossoms that do not just pop out randomly every here and there that thing is covered screaming the glory of God and I want you to know if you could like do an interview with each of those blossoms all right they're not going oh he's interviewing me how awesome aren't I awesome I'm more reddish orange than you all right my bloom lasted a couple hours longer than yours no they're not doing any of that You know what those blossoms are doing? They're going, wow, we are awesome because of that vine that's pumping the sap into moi and giving me life. And the whole reason I am who I am is because I'm connected to something greater than myself. I, I bet if we could hear what God hears and see what God sees, there's a collective screaming of glory coming off of every blossom. Because the blossoms exist on the branch and the branch exists on the vine, and they all go back to say this, that is one awesome vine. Because check this out, a tiny little vine will give you tiny little blossoms, but a massive vine gives you not only gorgeous blossoms, but literally thousands of them. The greater the capacity of the vine and the greater the capacity of the branch, the greater the glory in the fruit. And we exist for the glory of God. How many of you know that whenever you're doing something in obedience to God, you experience more pleasure than any other time in your life? So check it out. When that bulb comes popping out of that ground, all that clay, that cold, that snow, that ice, and opens up and goes, here I am, for whatever length of time God intended it. You might not even see it, but God sees it, and God goes, wow, I am awesome. Because that bulb finds its DNA, its source, and the creative energy of God Almighty. Now check this out. I want to encourage us. Without the branch, the vine bears no fruit. Think about this for a minute. St. Augustine said it this way, back in the day, way back in the day, St. Augustine, without God, we cannot. Without us, he will not. There's nothing God cannot do, but how many of you have figured out that God in his wisdom has chosen to work through you and I to bring forth fruit so he gets the glory. Isn't that amazing? Like I wanted you to see, Shane, and we're just picking on Shane today because he had such an amazing testimony. But Shane, you were the process of not just a private time with the Lord, although that was part of it, but you were the process of many, many people in this place. In fact, your phone is now exploding with numbers and many different ministries in this place that we're all a part of loving you and seeing you transformed. Um, so here's what God's doing. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to accomplish my work through the multifaceted gifts that I've put in my people so that when someone like Shane stands up and says, I'm a changed man, we all get the joy and God gets the glory. On, Isn't that awesome? Do you know that the Great Commission is a privilege? Because God's saying, you know what? Jesus is the vine. He's looking for fruit. He needs branches. He needs people that will abide in his life and then go, branch out, touch others, bring in fruit for his glory. In fact, Jesus said this. He he says, don't hide your light right under a bushel. Let it shine. Let people see your good deeds, and what will they do? They're going to glorify your Father in heaven. So this is kind of crazy, and I want you to feel the weight of this. The vine, Jesus, by himself is not successful in completion of the redemption that he's already purchased for this world. He's actually dependent upon branches that are connected to him, which should tell us, hey, I need to get connected. I need to stay connected. I need to bring forth fruit because the Lord is depending upon this uh, for the sake of what he's intending to do in the earth. We're part of that big plan, which is pretty awesome to me. I love it. Go and make disciples, Jesus said, but he goes, I'm with you always. We're always remain connected to the vine. Check this out, point number three, very quickly. All the vine is belongs to the branches. This is so good. Can you imagine if you were the vine? What do you do? You're sucking in nutrients from the soil, right? That sap that runs through that vine. And what does the vine do? Does he go, you know what? I don't really feel like nourishing you branches today. I'm just going to keep all the sap to myself. After all, I've been working hard. No, that's not what happens. What happens? The Everything that comes up through that vine is at full disposal 
of the branches. True? Full disposal. Now, what is it in our union with Christ? We used to sing this song, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Y'all remember that? Love, joy, health, peace, he has made them mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory. Abiding, abiding in the vine. Hallelujah, yes. There's not one person in this room that should not be incredibly excited that every single thing that Jesus has is mine. That's the first word we learn when we're little. Mine, mine, mine. I mean, people latch on to that truth. Are you with me? Hallelujah, power, prosperity, I love it all. Thank you, Jesus, you're the vine. Keep dishing it up, hallelujah. This is really great. Give me all you got. I'll take it all, hallelujah. Um, We get that part. But what I want you to understand is you've been given everything you need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. How many of you need peace in your life? Guess what? Abide in the vine. How many need wisdom? In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're yours. Ask. How many of you need patience? Guess what? The patient one lives inside of you. How many of you need to forgive? Well, guess what? The one who forgave you lives inside of you. Every single thing you need to not only make it through life, but the Bible says to live life at its fullest is in the vine. How many of you believe this? How many of you are grateful for this? Come on, this is amazing. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Psalm 23, verse 1. All that I need. I really want to encourage some of you because we go through challenges in life. Part of your secret to your victory is knowing who you're connected to. And stay connected to the one who doesn't have any lack. Stay connected to the one who will give you all that you need. Stay connected to the source of your life. How do you do that, Pastor? We're going to talk about that. But one of the ways you stay connected is you stay connected to God's people. You stay connected in worship. You stay connected in the Word. You stay connected talking to God. You stay connected being under and submissive and obedient to the Word of the Lord. Those are all ways that we stay connected. Let me go to number four. This is good. We're all about the vine, all belonging to the branches. But here's important too. All that the branch produces belongs to the vine. Now, we're not that excited about that part of it. We like this one-way flow. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Receive, receive, receive. But how many of you know everything God blesses us with belongs to the vine? And let me give you a little marriage 101 here. This is why cohabitation never produces intimacy. It's why private checking accounts never produce intimacy. Because when I gave my life to that woman right there and we made covenant, this is what we were saying. Most people aren't cognizant of this when they're standing at the altar, but it's the truth. What I'm saying is all that is mine, all that I have, all that I own or don't own. I mean, no debt is exchanged in marriage as well. All that I am, all that I own, uh, I now freely give to you. No prenuptial arrangements. No her money, my money. It's now our money. And she says, all that I am, I give to you. My hopes, my dreams, my life. Now, this goes also, like when we say all that we are, we give to our spouse, that means, guys, there are not parts of our heart that we just simply not to talk with our wives about. It means that we're not going to give her this part of our life and not that part of our, our life. How many of you know it means we give all of us? So when your wife says, well, honey, what do you think about that? You don't just go, nothing. Because she's wanting you to share all that you are with her. And so you can't be intimate with somebody if there's no sharing and if there's no giving. Or if you have your friends and my friends or your this and my this, all that language gets obliterated in marriage because you, the vine and the branches, are one. And and listen, and this is good news because you would not want a relationship That is artificial. I love you. Talk to me. Are you there? Let me blow blow the dust out of your ears. (laughs) Hello. Hug me back. 
No, because fake flowers are dead flowers. And many times in our relationships, that's a fake rock too that just fell off of those fake flowers. Many times in our relationships, there's not the 100% giving back and forth. Isn't this crazy? The Bible even says your body's not even your own. So body, soul, and spirit, guess what, guess what the Lord expects in our union with him? Everything. He says, I'm going to give you everything. What do I want back in return from, from, from us? Everything. Can I, I, have anybody been diagnosing some of the, maybe the problems in your abiding with Jesus this morning? Maybe part of the reason why we lack intimacy is we still haven't surrendered. Maybe, you know what I've noticed? If, if I go up to these little guys when they're alive and they pop out of the ground and I just snap one over and then I go, oops, I don't want to pick that yet. I'm going to stand it back up. I go get duct tape, right? And you try to duct tape it up. Whenever there is a, uh, an organic crimping and you try to, oops, straighten that back up, it, it ain't straightening it back up. It is, it is now beginning the process of, can I just share this with you? We get our vines, our branches snapped, bent. Oh, how did that happen, Pastor? Unforgiveness, bitterness, unbelief, not spending any, any time with the Lord. We, we, we start growing cold and distant and dead. Are you, are you all hearing what I'm saying? Um, this is why classes, you know, part of, part of Shane's healing was uh, sitting through the class and working, through, not sitting, working through the class on inner healing. Because uh, we realize wherever we've been wounded or damaged, that area has to be healed. Or there's no flow of life there. Wherever you're wounded, there's no life coming off of you. Wherever you're damaged, there's no life coming off of that part of you. You've got to get healed. And that's why you're saying your testimony is so powerful because you said you had all these misperceptions about how people were going to perceive of your mess if you actually shared it. And then you realize when they shared that they actually had the same mess that you did at one time and Jesus wasn't enough for them. So can we just be real that we come here very artificial, very broken, very in need of a supernatural encounter with Jesus, and we need to have the life of God flowing through us. Can I get an amen on any of that? All right. So I have to be able to give all of me to all of him. What, the Bible says this, what do you have that you did not receive? I've shared this with all my kids. If you're smart, you didn't get smart because you read a few books. You have aptitudes in certain areas because God and Jesus the vine f f flows into your life in that area more than somebody else. If you're fast, why are you fast? Because you were born that way. If you're tall, why are you tall? Because you were born that way. If you have an aptitude for speaking, where did that come from? Because God gifted you that way. If you can sing like an angel, where did that come from? God blessed you that way. We could go on and cover every gift. So here's the deal. Whatever blossoms are coming off this life, whatever fruit's hanging off this light, uh, and you go, Pastor, that was really good. Hey, you know what? Hold on a minute. Praise the Lord, because I just got some sap flowing through me right now that I can't claim any of that. It's just that we're connected to Jesus. People would say to us, how did you raise eight kids? <laughs> With a lot of sap, all right? We had to have a lot of sap coming from, from a source greater than us. So people, how did you do that? Prayer, humbly coming to the cross, God, help, strength. Wisdom, money, food, macaroni and cheese. I mean, we had all kinds of prayers. But the point was we didn't go, hey, we're just amazing parents gifted by God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what we are? We're, we're sap suckers. <laughs> we're sap suckers. <laughs> Marion calls it being a grace hog. You know, you just, just get in there and wallow in and get as much as you need. Because here's the cool thing. The vine has everything you need. Get as much as you can. Let me end with this. It's a living union. It's a total union. It's a fruitful union. Why do the vine and the branches do their thing? Because the goal of this union with Christ is fruitfulness, and all fruitfulness comes from intimacy. You know, it's interesting. If you're a couple and you're trying to get pregnant, but you sleep in separate beds and you never experience intimacy... 
I'm sorry, but there's no immaculate conceptions after Mary, all right? God's not doing it that way. There has to, that was slightly a joke. Help me out. All right, I know her. Um, there must be intimacy to have fruit. The same is true with the Lord. If you spend no time with God, if you spend no time in His Word, if you spend no time on His mission, then why do you expect that He's going to flow through you, that He's going to use you, that He's going to speak to you? You know, it's like how many of you have ever told your kids, I already told you what I want you to do. Why are we having this conversation? Anybody besides me ever have that? Like, like didn't we just have the... I thought we came up with a plan. Well, guess what? We come to the Lord. Hey, Lord. And he's like, um, I told you you needed to repent. I told you you needed to go get that relationship right. Oh, Lord, I just want to feel your presence. Um, because fruitfulness comes out of intimacy. And there's no intimacy if there's no time spent with God, no time spent in his presence. I have one final word for our senior saints in the house. It's actually not my word. It's God's word. Psalm 92, 14. Check this out. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. I'm going to ask you a trick question. It's actually not that tricky. In a vineyard, which vine produces the most fruit? A new vine? Or an old vine. See, the vineyard gets more fruitful with care and time and pruning. And as that vine begins to mature and get fuller and fuller and the branches go broader and broader, you get more grapes, right? Get more fruit. I just want to encourage some of you in this room. You're like, oh, I'm old. What do I have to do? I'm, just, I'm old. Oh, I'm old. I'm old. I'll tell you what you have to do. You get to produce fruit for the glory of God, more fruit than when you were younger, not because you have more energy, because I know that's not the case, but I do know this, you have more life experience, you have more walk with God, you have more capacity. You know what I love about people that have walked with God for a long time? If I could give you an illustration, some people have that much capacity, all right? So if I took this lid off and I squirted it on you, you would get wet. I won't do that, but if, uh, just dream with me. All right, but it would probably the damage would just be right here. Now, if I took a fire hose and sprayed it right here, probably at least half of this row is getting really wet, all right? How about this? If I took a 55-gallon drum dimension of a pipe and I had it up where the words are and I turned it up full blast, how many of you know you're all getting wet? And if, if we could seal off the sanctuary, pretty soon you'd all be swimming, Pretty soon, the water would be over your head. Now, here's what I'm asking you. Some of us in our, our branch that's attached to the vine is about that big. Well, guess how much fruit you produce? About that much. Wouldn't you like to be a 55-gallon drum branch attached to the vine? Now you're producing fruit for the glory of God that is going on, and it's actually multiple generations. How, you, you know, with me on this. And how did that happen? We're going to get to this in a couple weeks. How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. You just stayed connected. You know how my trumpet vine got so big? It just kept doing the same thing year after year after year. And you know what? In spite of my lack of care at times, it's thriving. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Stay connected. Stay plugged in. You know, people asked me last week, hey, how awesome was... was was Hawaii. It was awesome. But can I tell you something? I'm excited to be back home. Because can I tell you something? You bloom where you're planted. And this is my assignment. I lo- if you say, well, Pastor, where would you rather live? Hawaii or Crown Point? Oh, that's easy. Crown Point! Because listen to me, I don't live for the sun. I worship the sun. I don't live for the sun. I don't live for a beach. I like beaches. I want to go visit them just like you. I don't live there. I want to stay where I receive life. And I'll just share this as a word. I was talking with Brian this week. We were sharing some great notes on life. But here's the truth. You can sometimes pursue things for the glory of God 
that take you away from the vineyard of God. And when you're away from the vineyard and the vine, you're out doing things that you think are going to bring God glory and you blessing, but what you're really doing is you're cutting off the source of where the sap's at. Can I just tell you, there's sap in this house. And, uh, and every week when we come together, we get some life. And listen, it's not optional. If you want to be fruitful, it's not optional. Now, you get sap throughout the week at home. You need to be waking up, like Andrew talked about, spending time in God's presence. But, but listen, you got to stay where your assignment is at. And I've seen this over and over again. People come here broke. They come here with bad marriages. They come here jacked up. They come here wounded. All of a sudden, they get healed, and a job offer opens up somewhere where the sun shines more than Crown Point. And you know what they do? I'm going there. It must be God. I'm like, you fool. You fool. Why would you leave the environment where you receive so much life simply because you're chasing a paycheck in an average temperature that's 10 degrees warmer or something? I mean, I don't understand it. Understand the vine. Understand where you're connected. Stay connected. Bear fruit for the glory of God. And let the capacity of our ability to release the presence of God keep growing and growing and growing and growing. You all with me on that? Dawn, real quick, I want you to share that word. And then we're going to pray. An encouraging word. While we were worshiping the Waymaker song today, I saw all over the um, sanctuary pillars of stones. And God was saying they were altars of remembrance and they were high. They were over our heads. And as, as we remember his faithfulness and we build those altars of remembrance with the stones, that he, remembering he is a way maker. He is the, what, I forgot the other words, but that it's literally in the spirit and remember his faithfulness. Many of us are going through hard times right now or situations, but remember and build those altars of stones. We are living stones Come here. On. Not just stones, living stones. Come on. All right, stand to your feet. That's a good word. Hey, we're going to have prayer. If anybody needs prayer, if you just need someone to minister to you, we'll be up here. We love you. If you're new, we want to connect with you. Please run up here and say, hey, Pastor, I'm new. I'd love to meet you. But let's pray together. Father, thank you for this week of Thanksgiving, Lord, as all of our nation pauses to give thanks. Lord, we want to give thanks to you right here this first Sunday, first day of the week. Thank you for your many, many blessings. Lord, we want to walk full of the life of Jesus this week. So help us to touch a lot of people and to bring you a lot of glory. We love you and give you praise now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, marriage class at four, don't forget to come on out if you can make it. Have a great day.